Coming up on Golf Today, U.S. President's Cup captain Davis Love III joins the program fresh off completing his team with six captain's picks. What will the rallying cry be for a team considered such a heavy favorite to win? And one of those picks, Billy Horschel, stops by ahead of his title defense at Wentworth. We'll ask him about the vibe at the BMW PGA Championship in this era of fractured pro golf and why he is speaking out so forcefully. And the three-time FedEx Cup champ Rory McIlroy met the media at Wentworth, a player who's become a must-watch and a must-listen to as well. What did Rory say? Find out next on Golf Today. Golf Today. Just two weeks from now, Quail Hollow Club in Charlotte, North Carolina, will host the President's Cup for the very first time. And earlier this morning, U.S. Captain Davis Love III made his six captain's picks to round out his team of 12, a team that will face an international squad captain by Trevor Immelman. And those six picks, well, four players who will make their President's Cup debuts, Colin Morikawa, Billy Horschel, Max Homa, and Cameron Young, a rookie on the PGA Tour, plus two veterans in Jordan Spieth, and Kevin Kisner. Here's the best of Davis of the third earlier today. Yes, I, I always say our first 12 is really good and then our next 12 is really good. Um, and that's what made, you know, my picks um, so difficult is because you just start right on the on the list of automatic qualifiers. You, you go right past, um, you know, obviously it's disappointing um, that Will got hurt. Our first 12 was incredibly strong. We uh, almost could have just gone right off the top 12 list. But when you start at 13 and work your way down, every one of those guys is a great player and had a great year and has a case for playing. We certainly could have picked any one of the next 10 or 12 guys and, and had a great player. Um, it just happened that the way the matchups fell. I mean, obviously there's, there's three or four guys on there that I had a really tough phone call with so um you know and hopefully they'll look at it like i did and i thought dave stockton was wrong and was being mean and didn't pick me um and then i watched it on tv and i went oh wow <laughs> maybe i don't want to be out there on sunday and then i played in 93 and i went i get it uh i understand what this team thing's all about and um you know if you don't if you haven't played on one and you haven't um you haven't had to pair guys up before it's it's tough to make those matchups but yeah there's a lot of great players out there and Trevor had the same thing you know obviously he lost a bunch of guys but he went right down the list to some great players and and filled those gaps well we haven't been able to spend any time together um, but we do we do have a lot of experience there um, I was surprised to find out that Cam Young has not played there a whole lot even though he went to school right down the road um, but most of our guys know the golf course. It's funny on our text chains and everything, everybody kind of defers to Justin on because uh, he won won the PGA there. But we have a bunch of uh, we have a bunch of experience like Max. Um, Rory keeps lobbying to be on our team because he likes the golf course so much. But I'm I'm comfortable with our our preparation um, because we have so many guys that can take a rookie that that hasn't played there and show them around a little bit. Um, we're going to try to get in there and get some good practice in on Monday when it's real quiet, and then um, obviously have Tuesday Wednesday to to dial it in. And here are the twelve table. For 12, including the world number one, Scotty Scheffler. This team is stacked, robust, strong, and a heavy favorite trying to improve on an 11-1-1 overall record in this series. A good Wednesday to you. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch of Golf Week magazine. It looks one-sided, Eamon. Is it? It's maybe the most one-sided lineup we've seen since the Ryder Cup back in the pre-European Days. Wow! When you consider the depth here, the world number eight had to be picked by Davis Love because he already had six automatic qualifiers higher than that guy. So it was the world number 15, the world number 17, the world number 20. And he had to skip over the world number nine, Will Zalatoris, who was out mm. injured. That's the depth that exists on this team, which to me, in terms of 
a, a mismatch. This is like the famous 1981 US Ryder Cup team when 11 of the 12 guys on that team were major winners. Yeah. The, the gap between this team and the international team seems that striking at this point. It's an impressive team. And to hear Davis talk about his top 12 and maybe the next 12 that could have potentially been on this team as well. And listen, they are going to be a heavy favorite, and rightfully so, when you consider the strength of this team, the quality, the major champs, the players' champs that they have. But I will say this. The history of sports is written with big-time upsets. The one thing I am concerned about is this. What if this team is just slightly overconfident. You know, Mike Tyson back in 1990, just a little bit overweight. Instead of his usual 212, 215, he comes into the fight with Buster Douglas at 220 pounds and a half. You know, the U.S. versus the former Soviet Union. Villanova versus Georgetown. NCAA, you know, basketball finals, 1985. We're talking about heavy, heavy underdogs that were, you know, that were able to find a way to get it done. Is there a danger that with all of this power, with all of this strength, that the U.S. maybe is not as sharp as they could be. The only way the U.S. team loses this is if they start partying too hard on Saturday night and they end up in the county jail and miss their tea times for the singles wow. on Sunday and have to forfeit. I mean, look at the numbers. On the seven of the U.S. team are in the top 11 on the PGA Tour in birdie average. Half of them are in the top 30 in putting. They have 10 on the team who are in the top 10, strokes gained off the tee right. in, the, in the top 50. Yeah. You know, it's, the numbers are overwhelming on the American side. Now, does the American team start to feel pressure because they are such overwhelming favourites? Perhaps, but that still requires a level of performance from the international team, and there's eight rookies yeah. on, on that team. There's a lot of nerves, there's a lot of pressure. The international team would really have to run the table in a way we've probably never seen in, in team sports and golf before for that to happen. I'm just struck by how many different ways you can try to splice this, you know, whether it's a world ranking perspective or a stats perspective or a major championship perspective, how unbalanced it seems. Look at the, the world ranking perspective. The highest ranked player, of course, is Scotty Scheffler, Hideki Matsuyama for the internationals. You see the average rank in the official world golf ranking, the lowest ranked player for the Americans, that would be Kevin Kistner at 26, 114. For the internationals, that, of course, Taylor Pendrith from Canada. And how about a major championship perspective? I did some numbers crunching yesterday, and I was shocked that the international team, six captain's picks, 60 appearances in majors, not a single top 10 to be found, whereas with the Americans, 137 appearances in majors, 24 top 10 finishes. Of course, three majors for Jordan, a couple majors for Colin Morikawa as well. No matter how you slice it, Eamon, that's what's so, uh, so fascinating to me is that it's American strength, American strength, American strength. It is, which is slightly unusual given that we are playing the President's Cup at what is typically a year-in, year-out PGA Tour venue, when normally you'd expect guys to have a lot more familiarity with it. And Quail Hollow has been a venue on the PGA Tour for a very long time. It obviously wasn't this year when the the Wells Fargo moved to a, a different venue uh, because of the President's Cup. But even that doesn't necessarily stack up in favour or give much support to the international team either. Because when you look at the experience that the US team has at that venue versus the international team, it's quite striking. You know, Justin Thomas has obviously won the PGA Championship there. Max Homa won at Quail Hollow three years ago. Kevin Kisner's got a great record there. The total number of appearances from the US team at Quail Hollow is 32. The international number is a little misleading because of those 30, 10 of them come from Adam Scott mm. alone. So to what Davis Love just said earlier, he can take rookies out there and pair them with guys who have a great deal of experience and a great deal of success at Quail Hollow in a way that's kind of much easier than Trevor Illman's going to be able to do. Yeah, when we talked to Trevor yesterday, you could tell how important of a role a player like Adam Scott is going to play on this team and a Hideki Matsuyama as well. But I just don't think that Trevor has enough of those guys, whereas Davis Love III, by his own, you know, words, he a lot of choices that he could have made. These players are all so highly ranked, so accomplished, the resumes so thick with great moments, pressure-filled moments, from Jordan Spieth to Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley Olympic 
gold medalists. They have been there and done that. The only thing I am concerned about is overconfidence. We're going to talk to Davis a little bit later today. I want to ask him about what are the danger spots. Because, listen, it's one thing to look good on paper. We know they got to play the game. But I tell you, from where we sit two weeks out, it looks like a very, very decisive victory, I think, for the United States. There's one other thing Davis Love doesn't have. It's literally the only thing he's missing, and that's also a positive. He doesn't have a problem child in the locker room. Now, if you look at the last Ryder Cup that Steve Stricker had to deal with, that was the Bryson-Brooks feud that was ongoing and how that was polluting the team room. You go back to the last President's Cup, Tiger Woods had the Patrick Reed problem mm. heading from the Bahamas to Royal Melbourne. There's always something that's going on in, in team rooms that can impact the dynamic yeah. of a team. And Davis Love doesn't have that problem either. What he's got is a lot of kind of passionate, pugnacious guys. And we're actually about to hear from one of those passionate, pugnacious guys, because coming up next, Billy Horschel is going to join us from Wentworth to talk about making his President's Cup debut. And since Billy is no shrinking violet when it comes to the biggest issues in the game, we'll be sure to ask him what else is on his mind. Stay with us. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Back on golf today, a flashback to 2014 with those pants. Billy Horschel won the FedEx Cup after winning the BMW Championship and the Tour Championship. Can't forget him celebrating at Eastlake, that iconic Florida Gator chomp. Then last September, Horschel won the BMW PGA Championship on the DP World Tour, beating Kyrdek, Apple Barnrat, Jamie Donaldson, and Laurie Cantor by one shot, joining Arnold Palmer as just the second American to win what is traditionally regarded as the biggest event on the DP World Tour. And yes, today, Horschel named a member of the 2022 U.S. President's Cup team, receiving a captain's pick from Davis Love III, who commented on Billy earlier today. We want Billy Horschel on the first tee at Quail Hollow. Um, you know, he's <laughs> they're going to be over the top, and he's going to be over the top. And I think that's great. Um, you know, you have to find the right partners for Billy because Billy um, – and when you look at our picks, and obviously there's some guys that we didn't pick that could have easily been on this team, and matchups are so important um, for our pairings. Um, you need a couple guys for Billy to be able to play with that are comfortable with Billy, and Billy's comfortable with them. Um, he, you know, I would, I would love to play with Billy because I need that energy. I need somebody to pump me up. Kite was always trying to fire me up. Um, get me more passionate. Payne Stewart was trying to get me more passionate. So the right guy with Billy, uh, he can carry the energy. So we're excited about him making the team. Um, he'll be the most prepared. Like He's playing this week. So um, I have a feeling he's going to come in hot and ready. And the over-the-top Billy Horschel, Captain Zone's words, joins us now. It's great to see you, man. Eight years have passed since you tore through that FedEx Cup playoffs but you did not make that Ryder Cup team was already set. They could have used you, by the way. What has the wait been like to finally get that call from Davis Love III? Uh, 
you know, it's, it's, it's just nice that it's finally happened. Um, I've had, you know, pretty much for the last eight years, I've been close to making every team in the sense that I've, I've had chances, whether it's be qualify on my own or, or play well enough at the end of the year to, to hopefully be picked. Um, but to finally, you know, check that box, I've, I've not made an international team for the U S something that's, uh, I've always wanted to do it. It's nice to finally to, to be able to, you know, like I said, check that box. Billy, what do you think you bring to the team? Because Davis talked about not wanting to rein in the fire and the, the pugnacious attitude that you're bringing. But what are you looking to bring to the first tee at Quail Hollow? And who are some of the guys on that team that you would want to partner with? Yeah, I think I think Davis uh, understands that I, I, can, I have a lot of energy and I'm very passionate. But I'm a different guy than I was uh, when I was 20 playing the War Cup and, and those teams in my amateur days and especially even early in my career, uh, I've learned to sort of harness that passion a little bit, that energy and, you know, use it when it, I need to sort of give myself a little kick in the butt or, um, you know, just show how, you know, pumped I am for something I did on the golf course. Um, I, I've always felt that I can, I get along with a lot of guys. I can, I'm a, a chameleon. I can sort of work in and out of groups and, and with players and, you know, play with guys and figure out what they need. Um, I, I want to do whatever I, you know, whatever needs to be done to, to win. And um, if that means I need to be the, you know, the cheerleader of the team and be the passionate energy guy, I'll do that. If I need to sort of just sit back and, and let the other guys, uh, you know, play and, you know, let them talk and handle things, I can do that as well. So um, I'm really just going to, you know, be the person that whatever the team needs, I'm going to hopefully fill that void. And, and um, you know, when you talk about players I would love to play with, I've had a great record with Sam Burns. You know, we played well at the Zurich Classic. We played together at QB Shootout last year and finished second. I think Max Homer and I could be a great partnership. Um, I've always, you know, admired Justin. I've always said he's one, you know, could be a, a, a dominating force in this game. And he already is, but he could really dominate like a Roy had did for so many years and, and Tiger. Um, and then, you know, I think I could take Cameron Young and, and play with him. I know he's a quiet guy, really reserved, but, um, you know, I know they've, you know, history say you don't put two rookies together. And I know I'm a rookie in, in the sense I haven't played a team event, but I'm 35 years old. I played 13 years out on tour going into my 14th season. So um, I feel very in, in the sense of, um, prepared of, of understanding what, what pressure feels like and what you're going to feel and how, you know, your body changes. And, and I think I could help Cameron Young and, and we could be a good partnership uh, in those, those sense. So those are four guys off the top of my head, but if I'm able and willing to play with any of the other seven guys on the team, whatever Davis and, and the other assistant captains want. Um, like I said, I, I'm willing to give and, and do whatever the team needs. Billy Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson in 1990 as a 42-1 to 1 underdog. Villanova beat Georgetown in 1985. What is the danger of being such a heavy favorite in sports? I think sometimes you, you know, maybe you just rest on your laurels. You don't, you don't work as hard. You don't uh, prepare as well. Um, I think that's, that's what's happened possibly in, in, in those bigger upsets. But, you know, with this team, with these group of guys, I mean, very rarely do, do we – um, and I'm speaking in a general sense here, uh, you know, take anything for granted. I think we all understand that we've got to come out and play unbelievable golf. We've got to prepare well. We just can't go show up and expect that we're going to win this President's Cup. So um, from being on the text chains and, and, and talking with Captain Love, I think we're all um, willing to, to prepare hard. We're all going to, you know, work hard these next couple of weeks to show up to, to Quell Hollow and, and be prepared to, to battle an international team that's going to, give it everything they got to try and beat us. Billy, there's been a lot of narrative about that international team and how it's been impacted by the defections to live. In any way, do you think that either the President's Cup or the US team has been diminished by that? Is this team better or worse than it would have been with, say, a Dustin Johnson, a Brooks Koepka, a Bryson DeChambeau? You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, those are three really good players and three major champions. Um, but I think when you look at these, these 12 guys, I mean, we're the 12 guys that had really solid years, really played well over the last two years. And, um, you know, I don't know what DJ Brooks or Bryson, how, how well they were playing this year. 
before they left for live. But um, I just know that with the 12 guys we have on the team right now, we're, we've had the 12 best, you know, you know, you take out Will Zatoris, but Kisner's had a really solid year. And then the 11 other of us have had unbelievable years and, and won and, and, and been really consistent over the last year and a half. Bill, you made some very strong comments about the live golfers being at Wentworth, where you are right now as defending champ, basically saying, why are you here? What's been the reaction on the ground, positive or negative? <laughs> you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, obviously, I put myself out there on a limb, and I've, I've done that my entire career. I, I speak my mind, but um, I'm very uh, – uh, hopefully, when I do, I, I have brought in a lot of thought and, and thought about the different, you know, perspectives and looked at it from a, a complete 360 degree view. Um, you know, I, I've had quite a few players and, and caddies and teachers and other people, you know, thank me for, for speaking up for the European tour and listen, in no way, shape or form am I the flag bearer for the DP world tour. And I said that in my interview yesterday. Um, I've been a member for the last four years and I've only played maybe four or six events a year and, and really only played a couple outside that on co-sanction. But I think this is an unbelievable tour. I grew up watching this tour, and I, I've said for the last four years how many um, times I've been infatuated with the tournaments that I want to play. You know, I, that's what I've, I, I've always grew up looking at, watching the Crons Montana event, beautiful scenery there, and, and Valderrama, and seeing the history of the Ryder Cup, and watching those events, and then watching Wentworth and everything. So, um, you know, I stick by my comments. I've had conversations with Lee and Ian, who I have a great relationship with, I had conversations yesterday to let them know, you know, what I had said in my media to let them know that I um, said I didn't think they should be there. And, and I have had conversations with Ian today. I think the great thing with those two um, and with several other lip players as well is that we can disagree on things and not see eye to eye, but we can still be very respectful to each other and still have a, a great relationship and a great friendship. And, um, you know, a friendship doesn't mean you always agree on everything. You can still disagree, but still respect one another for who they are. And that's why I love Ian Lee and a couple other guys that, um, you know, I can speak my mind and, and, and they understand, you know, my point as I understand their point. This isn't the first time you've made some news in Europe, Billy. You <laughs> mentioned the Walker Cup back in 2007 at Royal County Down. I was there that week and you were very kind of passionate and fiery and it to the point where it drew criticism from some other players. 15 years down the road, how have you changed in terms of being able to put a governor switch on that passion? And are you afraid that you'll get so invested in this President's Cup that it might actually come out again? Uh, you know, that's, <laughs> I just think as I've gotten older, I've learned, I've learned when to you know, show it and when not to show it. Um, as I said in that Walker Cup, I, I, I felt like I was the... Uh, Sergio Garcia for the, the United States team. I grew up loving watching the Ryder Cup. And, and yes, as all Americans, we hated when the Europeans beat us. But I respected uh, and I, I admired Sergio for the way he played in those Ryder Cups and showed those passion uh, for his teammates and for the continent, continental Europe. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how I am going to react because this is my first team event in so many years. And um, I have grown and I'm, like I said, I'm 35 years old and the energy, I still have, you know, endless amounts of energy and I can, you know, um, show it. But, uh, you know, I think the energy now comes out when I'm around, when the support of the crowd and the fans and you can feel the energy and you can feed off of that. And that's when it will come out naturally and be more organic and it won't be forced. Billy, I was struck by what you said about, you know, talking to Ian and, and Lee Westwood and, and guys you've known for a long time that you can kind of agree to gr disagree. What about a Taylor Gooch who was there as well and went on Twitter to question your DP World Tour bona fides, as it were, pointing out that the starts were mostly major championships and saying that, you know, you do what's best for you, he's going to do what's best for him. What is your response to that? Yeah, you know, I didn't know he responded to that until someone told me today. Um, yeah, I mean, there's my, my record. And as I've stated, you know, for last, uh, you know, yesterday and, and for a while, like I'm no, I'm not a, a, a lifetime member of the DP world tour. That's played countless events over here. I have stated, I have, I've always, uh, had an infatuation with the European tour and I've always tried to make efforts in the past to come over here, but due to maybe where I was in the, in the FedEx cup or, or other reasons is why I may have not made it over there. And you know what? I mean, he, um, he said what he said. 
and he can stick by, you know, that's what he wants to say. But listen, I, I've, I've played one event in my career over here where I got paid, and that was uh, an appearance last, you know, last month at BMW International. But I had stated after I won this event, the BMW PGA, that I wanted to play Germany because I wanted to try and win all three BMW events. And I had stated in that winner's press conference that I wish BMW sponsored more events because I seemed to win more uh, of the BMW events. But, you know, I've never, I've never played an event for the purse. I've never played an event for the world ranking points. Um, honestly, I, I hardly, I never know what a purse is. And I don't even know what a world ranking points are for the beginning of week. So I've never chosen an event in my entire career, whether on the PGA tour or the DP world tour, um, based off purses or world ranking points. I played it because I enjoyed the courses. I enjoyed the city or I wanted to go experience a person, a certain part of the country. So, you know, I can stick by those words. And I mean, if, if he wants to believe what I say, I, I don't really care, but I'd be willing to take a lie detector test. And I'd be, I fly that I'd, be, I'd pass with flying colors. Billy, when you think about the president's cup and, and the kind of the passion that kind of works up during the course of the week, all the way to the Sunday singles and the same in the Ryder cup, Coming next year, do you think any of the, the live guys would look at that and maybe have a little note of regret that their ability to play team events for the United States or for their other countries going forward is potentially in question? I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, as I've stated all along, those guys made a decision that they thought was best for them. Um, and I think when, when you, at least from what I can if I was sitting in their position, I would have understood that I couldn't, there was a chance that I may not play the PGA tour or DP world tour anymore. And there was a possibility I may not be able to play in international teams anymore. So, you know, I, I can't sit there and say, you know, why they made the decision they did. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm happy that they made the decision for they did, but um, I just, I think personally that, you know, maybe some of them will regret it. I don't know if they're not able to be a part of any teams, because I know some of them have had, you know, outstanding careers and it meant a lot to them. So, um, but, you know, if I was sitting in their, their chairs, that's the way I've looked at it, understanding that I may not be able to do that. And, and, and it have, would have factored that into my decision to join Live. Billy, I've been struck by your professional career, the journey that you're on, much like Rory McIlroy, who seems to have gained a bit of an edge being so vocal about these issues. Have these issues crystallized some things for you, maybe given you even more to play for? No, no. I mean, um, listen, I'm motivated to be the best golfer I can be day in and day out and see, you know, how, how great I can be and hopefully, you know, live up to a certain potential and talent that I, I know that's within me and hopefully I can win, you know, big tournaments and major tournaments and be part of more um, international teams in the future. You know, this, this uh, un, you know, I say unfortunate thing going on in the game of golf right now hasn't motivated me at all. And like I said, I, I don't fault any one of those guys for making the decision they, they've said. Um, I've said that from the very beginning, and I've stayed on the same road the entire this entire last couple months and, and what I've said. So um, I'm more worried about trying to be the best golfer I can be and, and win tournaments, and, and that's what my main focus is. And I love the PGA Tour. I'm going to defend the PGA Tour for the rest of my career and i've been fortunate enough to to play on the dp world tour and, and meet some great players and experience the dp world tour like i've always wanted to my entire life so and i will stick up for that tour as well because now we've got a, a partnership a strategic alliance that you know we're trying to to help the dp world tour out so um yeah that's my that i don't need any more added motivation Billy, you haven't actually played quail hollow that much you obviously in, were in the 2017 pga championship i think you only played the Wells Fargo event once outside of that. Are you confident you learn the course pretty quickly these days? Or are you going to rely on any of the other guys on the team who have a little more experience there? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll rely on Justin. A couple of those guys just picked their brain a little bit. Um, I'm very fortunate enough that when we've gone to new courses on the PJ Tour to play, uh, I think my, uh, my record shows I've played pretty well. And then I got my stats guy, Mark Horton, who does an unbelievable job, and he'll give me some data on how that course is played, you know, over the years at Wells Fargo. And, you know, based off the way we're going to, the course is going to be set up, you know, we can talk about that. And then the, the team's got stats guys. So, you know, I'm not too worried about my, you know, playing career on that course. See, you know, I haven't played it very much because, you know, there's so many other, you know, people I can pick uh, their minds and, and, and get uh, some good, um, 
good details on to, to hopefully allow me to play well on it as well. Billy, it's always fun to chat. It's always enlightening. Best of luck in your title events, and congratulations on making the President's Cup. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you guys later. He is Billy Horschel in London. Wentworth this week to defend his title from last year's BMW PGA Championship. It was a good one. Coming up next, we'll check in with Rex Hoggard from the site. Caught up with the CEO of the DP World Tour, Keith Pelt. Treat Dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love, up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hulu is coming in hot this month with new shows, new movies, and all new seasons of your faves. Don't miss FX's Clipped, the story of one NBA team's racial reckoning, starring Lawrence Fishburne. Stream a new season of Shorzy, the underdog hockey comedy that might just knock your teeth out. Then catch the high-speed drama Ferrari, starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. Kick your streaming into high gear this month with so much new stuff to watch on Hulu. Back on Golf Today, let's take a look at what's happening this week as the Rolex Series returns. The DP World Tour hosts the BMW PGA Championship. Gorgeous Wentworth flagship tournament, the DP World Tour. It was founded in 1955, this event, originally called the British PGA. It's been played in the fall since 2019 as part of the revamp the golf calendar when the PGA Championship moved to the month of May. Fantastic field. U.S. Open champ Matt Fitzpatrick, three-time FedEx Cup champ, Rory McIlroy, the defending champ as well, Billy Horschel, just had a great conversation with him. And as we've talked about for a lot of this week, 18 live golfers in the field as well, among them Sergio Garcia, Ian Poulter, and Lee Westwood. Now, earlier today, Rex Hogger caught up with the CEO of the DP World Tour, Keith Pellett. The BMW PGA Championship is always the highlight of the DP World Tour season. But given where we are in professional golf right now, does it take on added importance this year? I think it does. <laughs> but... You know, first and foremost, we're sold out for the first time ever on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, you know, the biggest concern we have right now is the weather because uh, it has been absolutely gorgeous all summer long. And, and now we've got a little bit of rain. And that's the first thing John Rahm said. He said, OK, so I finally come over here. It's 35 degrees for the last month and a half. And now it's possibly uh, rain. But yes, yes, it's 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 an important tournament. Uh, we appreciate Rory. We appreciate John and Matthew Fitzpatrick for coming over here. Uh, but, you know, every tournament right now that has live players playing in it, you saw it happen at the four majors. Uh, that was the story at the, the first at the beginning of the week. And then once the golf course, uh, the golf tournament starts on Thursday, it's a golf tournament. And uh, and that's what uh, that's what we're looking forward to. So pretty happy to start tomorrow morning. Circle back around to the live players. You referenced in the memo last week that there was strong opposition to having them in the field this week. There was a players-only meeting last night. How would you characterize that meeting? Uh, well, I think it was really short. Uh, I, I, think I, I think I spoke for about 15 or 20 minutes, and I think we had four or five questions, and that was the end of it. It was, uh, it was a very short meeting. There was, I guess there was a lot of anticipation that there were There'd be uh, a lot of questions, as as one of our board members said. I, I I ate before I came because I figured I'd be there for four hours, and I was there for 27 minutes. So um, no, it's um, uh, it, it is very polarizing. It's very divisive, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, our focus now is on the golf tournament and uh, and getting ready to play on Thursday. One of the focuses that you've talked about in your press conference just now is how you're going to revamp the 2024 schedule. I know there's a lot of details still to be worked out, but what do you envision for 2024 and beyond? Well, yes, 2024 is pretty exciting. You know, we couldn't get everything done by 2023, uh, but with our new relationship with the PGA Tour, with the strategic alliance that we have, with the investment that they've put in our business, it gives us a, an unbelievable optionality and an opportunity to revamp our schedule in 2024. And that's what we're doing right now. We're looking at it. We took our tournament committee through it. 
last week. So the players saw it for the very first time. They're now going to come back and, and they'll certainly have some opinions and some thoughts which we'll, uh, we'll take into account. But uh, uh, I guess the headliner would be uh, fewer events um, for, uh, for more money. In your press conference just now, you referenced the live propaganda machine. How do you combat that and what are your major concerns? Well, I think you just have to focus on what your product is and making your product better. And, uh, uh, you know, some of the propaganda has been very difficult because there's so much misinformation out there. And, you know, the purpose of speaking to the media today and speaking to the players now is is we've been we now have to get some of the true information that is that is needed out there because there's been so much misinformation and uh, and 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 now is our time to uh, speak up and we started that today thank you so much for your time thanks rex rex hogger with keith pelly you know keith's been criticized aiming in some circles as being a little late to the fight or quiet in this effort against live did we hear his voice today we certainly did the same criticism has been leveled in the past against Jay Monaghan during this period when these guys were doing a lot of backroom negotiations which have clearly accelerated over the last couple of months. But particularly in his press conference this morning, Keith Pelly really took the gloves off, particularly against what he referred to as the live propaganda campaign. He called out the absolute swarming of bots all over social yeah. media trying to create <laughs> this narrative. And But he also referenced a player who referred to the DP World Tour being diminished, that it was somehow going to become the fifth tour. He didn't mention that player by name, but it was Sergio Garcia who made that comment. And Keith Pelly pointed out that if you added up the prize money of the Corn Ferry Tour, the Asian Tour, the Australasian Tour, the Japan Tour and the Sunshine Tour, you'd still only get to half the money that the European Tour is playing for yes. this year. So the idea that it's somehow just become a, a feeder circuit for the PGA Tour, he pushed back pretty hard on that this morning. And... The meeting, it was kind of interesting to hear him talk about how it was a 27-minute meeting of which he spoke for 20 minutes because this whole idea that the live players were going to storm the Bastille, it turned out to be a bit of a whimper. He also said that the DP World Tour is in a strong strategic position over the next five to seven years in terms of growing purses, in terms of the feel that they have this week at Wentworth as a reminder. Sold-out crowds, for example. Do you agree that the DP World Tour is in a position of strength in light of the threat that Liv presents. The numbers back up what Keith Petty say, not just the amount of money that they're playing for, over $140 million on that tour, which is more than they've ever had. But he's also pointed out that under that strategic alliance, that money is guaranteed to grow every year for five years. Plus, there's an eight-year option on the back of that as well. So potentially, in an era of great uncertainty in terms of world economies and everything else, the European tour has certainty that it never had before. So it would be difficult to sustain the argument that, other than a personal gripe mm. on, on Sergio's part, that the, the, the European tour is not in a strong position. It clearly is. In so many ways, also, this seems to be a battle for the soul of golf and the meaning of golf. And, and Keith Pelley mentioned no words when asked, what if a live golfer wins this tournament this week? He'll say congratulations on beating 143 other players in a 72-hole tournament, that that's what the essence of golf is and that he sees Liv as operating outside of the golf ecosystem. He really did make that point repeatedly that it, with the PGA Tour, yes, they were competitors, but they were also partners at the same time. They yeah. each stayed in their lane. They co-sanctioned a lot of events like WGCs, things like that. There has been no effort to work with, with Liv Golf, and he rejected this idea that the European Tour turned down a billion-dollar yeah. offer. He said it simply never existed. But like everything else Keith Pelley pointed out today, there are a lot of false narratives out there that just don't seem to be going away anytime soon. Well, coming up next on Golf Today, what were you doing when you were 14 years old? Probably not having as much fun as Gianna Clement. The young phenom joins us next as she prepares for her third LPGA start after Monday qualifying. Stick around. Third consecutive week, 14-year-old Gianna Clement has Monday qualified into an LPGA Tour event. The Ohio native, who's a high school freshman, qualified for this week's Kroger Queen City Championship in Cincinnati. She first Monday qualified into the CP Women's Open in Canada and followed it up with a spot in last week's Dana Open. Gianna began playing golf 
that she was two years old. And the LPGA tweeted in honor of the event, when you're 14 years old and you Monday qualify for the third time in a row on the LPGA Tour. Then Gianna took to social media earlier this week. Thanks for the welcome, Queen City. Seven under in qualifying today to make my third LPGA start in Ohio. Well, Gianna Clement joins us now. Gianna, you've, you're certainly going to have a great story to tell when you go back to school and they ask what you've done during the summer. But have you surprised yourself with what you've achieved? Um, I think especially with these Monday qualifiers, I definitely surprised myself a little bit. Not necessarily with my play, but I didn't expect to make three out of the three. I knew that I was going to get into three, but I honestly just wanted to make one of the events. Um, I didn't have the I didn't have the expectation of, you know, making all three. So it's kind of been a, co a crazy couple weeks, but um, it's been one of the most amazing uh, experiences of my life in all three of them. So I just, I couldn't be more grateful. So you say it's been crazy. How crazy has it been in terms of like phone calls, texts, tweets? I mean, you're a teenager after all. Yeah, I've definitely had, I've definitely had a lot of people reach out that don't normally reach out. So <laughs> um, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. I've had a lot of, a lot of family members and a lot of friends uh, reach out and, and say like what I'm doing is crazy and you know they're watching on they're watching on the LPGA Instagram or they're watching you know the scores and it's awesome to see that that people are watching um, and yeah I've definitely had a ton of people reach out. <laughs> Gianna do you find that so much effort is put into the Monday qualifying process and so much emotional energy expended that it leaves you less than 100% when tournament time rolls around on Thursday? Um, I don't think, I think, I don't think so because, you know, I put a lot of energy into the Monday qualifiers for sure. And, um, I really don't think that it affects me just because I, I, I'm so excited to, to play in the event itself that it really doesn't, I don't think it hits me until after the event is over. So, um, I don't really think it drains me at all. I actually, I, I love, I love the pressure. Um, I love the competitiveness. I love everything about it. So, I don't find it draining at all. So I read where this is what you want to do for a living, be a pro golfer. Has anything that happened in these last few weeks told you you should speed up your timetable, maybe turn professional early? Um, you know, I still have a lot of time to think about that. Obviously, I'm still a freshman. I'm fairly a freshman, so um, I still have a lot of time to think about that. That's not really something that's, that's on my mind currently. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what the future holds. Um, for right now, I, I definitely want to turn professional at some point. Um, we'll, we'll see, you know, when that is. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely excited to see what the future holds. Is it still fun for you, Gianna, with all of this attention and with the work you're putting in in these qualifiers? Or has there been any point during these few weeks where it started to feel almost like a job? You know, it, it really doesn't ever feel like a job for me. I think it, if anything, like and be in the spotlight a little bit and having you know all the media around, I think it's made it more. Um, you know, my dad with my dad on the bag, like we're always having fun out there. We're always laughing. You know, even if I'm not playing necessarily my best, um, we're just always out there laughing and having fun. So I think the last couple of weeks has actually been more fun than I was expecting. Gianna, I read where you added a metronome app to help you with your putting. I used a metronome in, in high school when I was playing the cello. How do you use a metronome app? So it's actually, it's an app, I think it's called Total Game. Um, and my putting coach in Sea Island actually uh, recommended it to me and I've been using it for the past year and a half. Uh, sometimes I slack a little bit on it because it is, it can get really annoying. Um, it can get really loud, like when you have an earpiece in your ear and you're like, wow, I just really don't want to listen to this anymore. But uh, it works, and I use it for both short putts and long putts. Um, and it's three beats, so it's kind of like bang, 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 and that's like how you putt. And it it really works. It works really well. Wow, bang, bang, bang. That's like me off the tee box after I hit two out of bounds. Uh, we we have this then and now with you and Morgan Pressel, by the way, when you were really, really young, and then in recent days, what was it like seeing Morgan Pressel again? Oh, it was crazy. Um, you know, definitely being in the booth like that, it was a little bit overwhelming at first, but I actually thought, I thought it was really fun. And if I'm being honest, I really don't remember that first picture. Um, but that's just, I know that's just been 
around for a while. So it was cool to get it then and now. It's it's really cool. Well, Gianna, I think your story is one of the best of 2022. Congratulations on all you've accomplished. Best of luck this week uh, in the Queen City. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much. Well, stay with us. When Golf Today makes the turn, we'll hear from Rory McIlroy, who's playing the BMW Championship this week in Wentworth. He shares his candid thoughts about the live guys in the field, as well as the future of the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup. The captain has made his calls. Davis Love III has named his complete squad to the President's Cup at Quail Hollow later this month. The skipper is here to break down his decisions. And Rory McIlroy is the biggest star competing at this week's BMW Championship on the DP World Tour. And he had something to say about a few other players in the field at Wentworth. We'll hear what that is as Golf Today rolls on. Golf Today. And the six captain's picks for Davis Love III, named earlier today. Six horses, Jordan Spieth, Tom Morikawa, Max Homa, Billy Horschel, Cameron Young, and the kids, Kevin Kisner, Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch of Golf Week Magazine. I'm excited. I love this time of year. The picks are in. The teams are set. It's time to play ball. It's like hearing the Oscar nominations come out. All the speculation is over. Now we know who's on the lineup. I know who's on the line, the captain himself, Davis Love III, joining us on this Wednesday. First of all, congratulations. I know it's always kind of, you know, nail-biting time, the, the phone calls you love to make, the ones you don't. What was your overriding philosophy as you put these final six pieces together? Well, overriding philosophy is I always compare it to um, a draft. <laughs> We're, we want to make sure that if we need a quarterback, we pick a quarterback. We don't pick a running back. So it's, it's making matchups. It's matching guys to other guys that are already on the team, um, plugging holes. And frankly, there was four or five other guys that could have very easily have played or were playing very well. But for our matchups, for our kind of our analytics and our team discussions, these guys match up great, make great pairings, make great alternate shot and best ball pairings. So um, it really is a, a well-rounded team and obviously a very strong team. Yeah, that might be an understatement there, Davis. When No matter what way you try to splice the numbers, it, it seems to lean heavily in your favour. So this narrative has built up that you guys are the overwhelming favourites at Quail Hollow. Does that add some pressure that the guys might not otherwise be feeling or does it not really change the ball game for them that much? Well, luckily, uh, I went to school at the University of North Carolina <laughs> and I watched Dean Smith always downplay his team and build up the other team and manage expectations and uh, try to fire his team up. So I'm going to try to do a little bit of that. And, um, you know, whatever 12 makes either side, those 12 guys are fired up to play and they want to win. Um, this is the U.S. team for this year. They don't really have a record in the past. Um, they're defending a cup that was won by Tiger Woods team, and it's a completely different team. So, we just have to focus on that. And there's going to be a lot of noise on the outside about other things other than our team. And we just have to kind of ignore that and go play golf. Davis, what are some lessons from 2012, the Ryder Cup, when as a heavy favorite, you let them off the hook, as the late, great Denny Green might say, but also some lessons from 2016 when as a heavy favorite, you won quite handily? Well, we've learned a lot of lessons since 2014 and the kind of the restructuring of Team USA Golf. Um, we've put, we, starting with Raymond Floyd in those meetings all the way down to Ricky Fowler, we put a lot of time and effort into studying what we've done wrong in the past, um, what we should do better in the future. And 2012 Saturday night was a big, big mistake by the captain. Um, we should have had a game plan going into the week for singles, and we did not. My great friend Darren Clark pointed that out to me late Sunday night. He said, you knew we were going to load the boat. Why didn't you load the boat in the beginning? And um, that was a big lesson for us that we have to have a structure and a game plan and some consistency and continuity in what we do. And I think we've gotten that, you know, since 14, we've only lost one of these cup matches. And that was over in Paris where we might not have played our best. We had a couple guys not playing really well when we got over there um, and the course. And for a lot of other reasons, the road games are hard to win. But since 15, we've we've done pretty well. And 
uh, I think we're running a pretty good system. And we are not going to win every one of them, but we're going to be prepared every time a little bit better than we were, say, back um, in 2010 or 2012. Speaking of the guys who are helping you with that preparation, Davis, Tiger Woods isn't going to be on the team this year, but he's certainly making his voice heard in the back room with you, I hear. The first text I got this morning after the picks went in, which he already knew, obviously. He's great picks, Captain. Let's go. Um, he is so involved. Really, since um, Jay Haas was a captain in Korea, <coughs> Tiger was so interested and involved in texting and calling. I remember in the dark out in our tent in Korea, I talked to him for 20 minutes, then handed the phone to Fred Couples, and he talked to him for 20 minutes. And I don't even know what time it was back in the United States. And Tiger is, he cares, obviously, we've learned over the last six months. He cares immensely about the PGA Tour. And watching him be assistant captain and then captain in Australia, he loves these team matches. And he's a big influence on our team um, from top to bottom. He's got, you know, last year, Justin Thomas's dad was over there watching the matches at his house. Uh, he's very involved, and he's a great um a great help and a, and a great inspiration to me at being the captain this year. Internationals have lost some pretty big voices and players. Cameron uh, Smith is gone. Joaquin Neiman is gone. Europe has potentially lost a generation of future captains. Westwood, Poulter, GMAC. How significant is the loss of Phil Mickelson, who's been such a big voice for the United States, who has obviously chosen a different path? Uh, it's it's big. You know, I, I, I you know tried to get a hold of Phil. <laughs> I talked to Dustin. Our new, our new assistant captain last year that had a great time at Whistling Straits. Phil was, was a great influence on the team. Obviously, he's gone. Um, Dustin was our, our MVP. Uh, he 5-0, and oh, American golf hero, team leader. He's gone. So it's big losses on both sides for, um, and on, and on the, the uh, President's Cup side for Trevor. It's big losses, but... The game has moved on from a lot of players. You know, obviously, Jack and Arnie set us up for, for what we're doing today. Um, the game, the professional game, has moved on from them, and it's going to move on from Davis and Fred, and it's going to move on from this generation. We're just a small piece of a big puzzle. But um, these guys that we have playing now, and the guys like Zach Johnson, captain next year, and Luke Donald, the game and the game and the events are going to go on and be great. It's going to be nuts in Charlotte. When you see that first tee, it's incredible. The fans aren't going to be worrying about who's missing. They're going to be focused on the 24 guys that are there playing. So, Davis, you don't feel as though this team is in any way diminished by the absence of a Dustin Johnson, a Brooks Kepka, or a Bryson DeChambeau that you and Trevor essentially had to work with what you're given and you're both confident you have the best teams possible? Well, you know, I think, obviously, um, our guys, uh, we really didn't have anybody in the top, um, you know, 10 or 12 in points that, that we missed or that, that left at the last minute. Trevor's the one that took the biggest hit right at the end. So, you know, we, we obviously are a little more fortunate than him. But, yes, it doesn't matter what tournament we're playing um, for a long time. We're going to be missing guys that should be playing. Um, you know, there's a lot of controversy right now. Obviously, this week – over there, the press conferences were, were probably more interesting than, than today's golf um, over there at the DP World Tour. It's just sad for the game that that's going to be the focus. And it will be until, again, until we tee off next Thursday. Um, it, it's going to be the focus, unfortunately. I want to ask you about one of your picks, Cameron Young. Had a fantastic rookie season. I figured you might take him. I kind of look at him as the Scotty Scheffler of last year's Ryder Cup. You know, he was on the team before he won. How much do you see Cameron Young as a kind of a winner who hasn't won? Uh, exactly like that. Like, there was no doubt that we were going to pick him. Once I played with him in Detroit, um, you know, I knew how great he was playing, obviously. But once I played with him in Detroit, and unfortunately, he had an obvious partner in Will Zalatoris. And um, we're going to be missing Will, and we're hoping, praying that his back's getting better. But that was going to be a dream team. Um, it took my caddy, Jeff Weber, about nine holes at Detroit to go, holy cow, this is the future of golf, isn't it? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're excited to have Cam. He's excited. This is obviously his first team. And um, he's got that, uh, like Jordan Spieth, just all of a sudden, he's at the top of the game. He's on a President's Cup team. Um, he's the new guy. But he's the guy that everybody wants to play with. You know, who would want to play with, 
with that driver and that putter. Davis, you've got an unmatched level of experience here in terms of captaining Ryder Cup teams, President's Cup teams. Do you feel pressure in this event to use the President's Cup as a kind of an incubator for the next generation of talent in a Ryder Cup, a guy like Cameron Young, for example? Yes, and that's what we, we said to the PGA of America, who really came to the, the, the captains and the future captains and said, all right, we're going we're gonna to restructure this thing. We're going to give you guys a little bit more stake in the game. And um, let's let's restructure. We said, okay, it's not just Ryder Cup; it's Presidents Cup. We do this every year. We want to um, keep this momentum going year round. So yes, we we play one off the other. Our stats and analytics team that's been helping us the last three Ryder Cups is on this Presidents Cup team for the first time. Um, so yes, we do it year round. We talk about you know Zach Johnson has been in my hip pocket for, for the last six months. Um, he, he's been a great assistant captain, you know, um, he's been around a lot of teams, but now we're doing a lot more stuff together. We took Tony Finau to dinner <laughs> at Detroit. Um, we get on the plane together or we sit at dinner and talk about pairings. Um, he's helping me with the stats. So, yes, everything we do is focused on Charlotte. And as soon as Charlotte's over, then we switch gears and start getting ready for Italy. One thing you don't have in Charlotte and one thing presumably Zach won't have in Italy is any kind of problem child dynamic that Steve Stricker had, that, Pres that Tiger had at the last President's Cup. How much of a difference does that make in terms of the dynamic in a team room where you don't have players who are under a cloud or players who are feuding with each other on social media? Well, if you will go back, that's a testament to what a great job Steve Stricker did. Um, he took a lot of controversy and he made it a non-issue. In fact, it got to the point where Bryson and Brooks wanted to play together middle of the week. So um, we can manage that. These are all grown up boys and um, you get them in the team room. We obviously have a wide range of personalities. I have a feeling that Billy Horschel is going to be louder in the team room than Cam Young. <laughs> so we, we, we have different people. And But you know what? What's great about a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup and what we have found is you bring a Bryson in and all of a sudden people get to know him. What's happened the last six months with Billy Horschel is he has um, found his voice a little bit of what he, what he, who he is and what he believes about the PGA Tour. And people are, players, fans are becoming more, um, they like Billy Horschel a lot more because now he's saying what he feels and believes. So when he gets to that team room coming off this tournament, on the DP World Tour, he's going to be a hero. And I think that's it brings us together. And, yes, our team room um, is really, really solid this year. Um, I think Cam and Max are going to be really excited to get in this team room. Um, Sam, um, they haven't seen teamwork and camaraderie and pulling in the same direction like they're going to see here in Charlotte. Davis, we're throwing a lot at you. I got one more. Uh, our good buddy, Michael Bamberger, now with the Fire Pit Collective, interviewed Mark King, former CEO of TaylorMade, who said that five years from now, the tour and live will somehow coexist. Do you see any scenario where that is the case, occupying the same golf ecosystem, or is a major championship boycott, as you suggested in SI, maybe the only way to rectify this uncomfortable situation in the professional game? Well, if you'd asked me a year ago where this is going, <laughs> same thing I told Commissioner Jay Monahan. I said, oh, don't worry about it. It'll never get off the ground. So I'm not a very good predictor of what's going to happen. Um, I don't know the answer to that. I would see a world where Tiger and Rory and our board and our players who are supporting um, the efforts of Tiger and Rory um, go in their direction. There's no problem with Liv doing its thing. We just can't have guys going back and forth. Um, it's just not going to work for our model. We have to, um, we're going to have to change our business model, I, I'm sure, a little bit more going forward. But I, I don't see them, I don't see the goal of Live, which is for every golf tour and NCAA to feed stars to them. I don't see that model working, but um, I, I have faith in the sponsors and the direction and the leadership of the PGA Tour that we will succeed one way or another. Davis, I imagine as a Tar Heel, it's going to be fun captaining in Charlotte. Thanks so much for the time. Congrats on putting the team together, and good luck in two weeks' time. 
Thank you. Look forward to talking to you a bunch the next few weeks. You got it. World Golf Hall of Fame member Davis Love the third. Those are his 12 men looking to extend that 11-1-1 record against the international team. Roy McIlroy met with the media earlier today. What's on his mind ahead of a tournament he has won? The three-time FedEx Cup champ, his words, up next. Well, we transition across the Atlantic for this week's Rolex Series event, and it's a big one. The BMW PGA Championship is taking place this week at Wentworth Club with some of the game's biggest stars. He ended up including John Rahm and Rory McIlroy. And here are some of those notable tee times starting at 3.30 a.m. And that's a big one. Matt Fitzpatrick, the U.S. Open champion, Rory McIlroy, the FedEx Cup champion, and Billy Horschel, who was a guest on the show earlier. Rory McIlroy met with the media earlier today. And you said previously that you're gonna, you would find it hard to stomach the 17 or 18 live players being here this week. How have you found it so far? Um, it's been. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen many of them, uh, to be honest. Um, like it is what it is. They're here. They're playing the golf tournament. Uh, my opinion is they shouldn't be here, but again, that's just my opinion. Um, but, you know, we're all going to tee it up on the first tee tomorrow. We're going to go play 72 holes, which is a novelty for them at this point. And, um, and we'll go from there. Rory, you touched briefly there on the Ryder Cup. And um, you were very emotive in your speech at the end of the last one, you recall. And three of those players in that team are now live gold members. Being, I'm thinking of Westy, Polks, Sergio, incredibly disruptive in this period. How does your relationship with them survive? Does it survive? And how does it go going forward? Um, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I wouldn't say I've got much of a relationship with them at the minute. Um, but again, like, if you're just talking about Ryder Cup, like, that's not the future of the Ryder Cup team. You know, they're, they're you know, they've played in probably a combined... 25 Ryder Cups, 30 Ryder Cups, whatever it is, like that, you know, it's time that, you know, and that's why I was talking about these 10 cards going to the US and preparing guys to play at the top level of professional golf. Like that's, that's the future of the Ryder Cup. The Hogards, Bobby Mack, whoever else is, you know, whoever else is coming up, like they are the future of the Ryder Cup team. That's what we should be, that's what we should be like thinking about and talking about. Sure, but no, not sadness on your part or theirs that, that, that what seemed an amazing relationship is, is no more. Yeah, but like I haven't done anything different. They're the ones that have made that decision. So I can, stand, I can sit here and keep my head held high and say I haven't done anything differently. Do you see a way back for live golf players somewhere down the line if, if they decided that wasn't for them, they wanted to come back to the traditional tours? I mean, they can always go through Q school, yeah. If Jay Monaghan came to you and said, we're having a bit of trouble with the President's Cup, it's one-sided, would you consider playing for the rest of the world? What would you say? 100%, it's a Quail Hollow. Have you seen me play Quail Hollow? I love Quail Hollow. I'd love to play. Um, I actually, I, I said that to Trevor many times. Um, Trevor and I have even had some chats recently because a couple of his, his team have um, decided not to play for him, so... Um, I said to him, I'm, I'm available if, if you can get me in. I'm sure there, there might be some Australian or some South African in me somewhere. I don't know. But, um, yeah, like I, I'd love to play if I could, but, but obviously that's, that's not an option. Jamie, last question, please. Rory, if come Sunday down the stretch you find yourself in contention and the man to the side of you as a live player, would there be more incentive to win? I mean, I'll be trying to win a golf tournament regardless. Um, they're going to be pretty tired on Sunday. It'll be the fourth day. <laughs> um, but no, like I'll be trying to win a golf tournament regardless. So my focus is I'm in a great position in the race to Dubai. And I want to finish the season off well because I think it would be a really cool double to do. Is he Rory McIlroy or Don Rickles or Richard Pryor? I mean, the, the humor. And it's not just always a knockout punch. It's just the subtle little dig from the three-time FedEx Cup champ. I would call that the shiv with a smile. Mm. Yeah, and it was interesting, though, in the, in the discussion about the Ryder Cup, 
in particular, he, Rory McIlroy is drawing a very clear line between what was the past in the Ryder Cup, the, the Sergios, the Ian Poulters, the Lee Westwoods, versus what is the future potential for Robert McIntyre from Scotland or the Hoygaard twins from Denmark. That Now, where that next generation is coming from is still very much up for debate. But what's clearly not up for debate with Rory or in his broader circle, certainly that I've talked to among players, is the idea that there's any relevance to the to the European Ryder Cup, other than the captaincy, which they can they have plenty of experienced guys who can do that. They've lost a generation of captains. He's drawing the line and saying we haven't lost a generation of players. We don't actually know where that next generation of players is coming from. Mm. But it certainly isn't the generation of guys who we've just kind of sent out to pasture. I'm struck by his kind of topic sentence, his theme overall. I'm the same guy. Like, like you guys left. Like, I I'm still here. No nothing's changed. I can walk around with my head held high. But, but do you think that, you know, in his comments, and he's asked every stop, Eamon, that he is making it clear under no, in no uncertain terms that it's time to turn the page. Go to Q school if you want. Compete in 54-hole events if you want. But, you know, we're not going to be weighed down, and I mean the DP World Tour or the European Ryder Cup team, by any potential baggage. He's got to hope that next season brings less politicking than has kind of been on his shoulder for this entire year. And a lot of it's obviously self-induced. He's taken on this role, this mantle, right. of being a defender of the PGA Tour. Now Tiger has joined him in that. Billy Horschel is obviously very voluble on that topic as well. Will Zalatoris. All of these guys have jumped in, but Rory seems to be the one who gets the most questions about it. And to his credit, he answers all of them. And there is an edge to it. And you can tell how the edge has grown a little bit sharper mm. with all of the players in their public statements over the last few weeks. But the, the, the one thing... That ought to be said, in addition to Rory saying, well, you know, I haven't changed, I'm still doing what I'm doing or being the person I am, is he also has nothing to be ashamed of. The guys who went to live do yeah. have something to be ashamed of. They're being used as props for sports washing. And what they're attempting to do now is legitimise that by running down this idea of a strategic alliance between tours, suggesting that the DP World Tour is now just uh, an accessory to the, to the PGA Tour, that its players are being diminished, that the Ryder Cup will be weakened. It's all part of a narrative that they're essentially being paid by Liv to put out there that somehow the Europeans made the wrong decision, that they jumped on the wrong horse mm. and that they should have gone with the, the Liv golf crew. And Rory's pushing back at that all the time. The guys who are out there, are, they're not doing anything in defence of the DP World Tour, which is what they say they're doing. They say they're trying to support the DP World Tour. They're not. They've essentially tried to put it to the torch. Mm. And Rory McIlroy and others have stepped in to say that's not going to happen.